Their jerseys may not hang in the rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Hi, this is Jeff. Thanks so much for joining tonight. No problem, man. No problem. How you doing? Were you calling from New York or is that just where the service is? Uh, must just be from where the service is. I'm actually in Dallas. Oh, okay. I'm right next to you in Austin. Oh, okay. Cool. Didn't realize that. Uh, how long have you been in the Austin area? Going on five years now. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Wife and I moved here. We had a young one, so the kids in school and all that okay cool do you like austin i do i do we don't get out and do a lot of the fun stuff it's kind of known for with the other five-year-old so it kind of makes getting out tough but yeah i do like the area it's really nice actually the people are really nice yeah i've been down there a few times um but yeah born and raised in the dallas area and lived a couple other places but made my way back here yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks for joining this uh, kind of Lakers theme podcast I've got going. Like I told you, I've done about 34, 35 episodes with mostly former players. There have been a couple, um, you know, kind of key Laker figures who weren't players that I've done episodes with, like Andy Bernstein, the photographer. Um, yeah, uh, one of the old radio announcers. I did an episode with him saying, guys that you would have played with, I think the only two were John Celestan and Devin George. I'm sorry, I missed that. What did you say? Oh, I said, uh, for guys that you've played with, the only uh, any of your teammates that I've talked to and done episodes with, I think would be John Celestan and Devin George. Oh, yeah, I remember that. They were the young guys. Yeah, not that I was that old, but I remember them coming in as young fellas. Yeah, I think they were, they were both rookies your last year in L.A., that's right. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so it's been cool. Um, and I have an accompanying Instagram that I post clips of a lot of the guys I do episodes with. And like I was telling you over email, like, yeah, I get uh, responses and messages from people all over all over the world, really, and telling me uh, like how much they enjoy the episodes and certain guys I like to hear from. And your name's uh, one that comes up a lot. So I'm glad we were able to do this. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, overall, what's keeping you busy these days? I told you, man, five-year-old boy, he, uh, he's running around, and I'm uh, I'm doing a lot of coaching. I never thought that I would, you know, when I was playing, I always thought when I was done with basketball, I'd be done, but started coaching my own kids, and then uh, just, you know, I liked it, so I started doing it more. So I coach a couple of, like, high school AAU teams, and coach my little ones in the local city league, and Mm-hmm. Other than that, chasing these kids around, trying to get them to school and soccer practice. Oh yeah, I know how that goes. Uh, I got uh, <laughs> three kids myself. Oh yeah, um, I know this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you say you're coaching AAU in high school. So do you see that as kind of a long-term thing? Um, you know, I just it kind of just built up. I I I don't know if you had asked me two years ago, I would have said no way. But oh yeah. I'm liking it more. I don't like this rule in Texas where you have to be a teacher to coach in high school sports. So uh, that's kind of uh, holding me back a little bit. I think if I could just jump in and do the coaching without having to, you know, work the whole day in the classroom, I might be more inclined. But um, Oh, sure. Yeah. No, maybe one. They got private schools, so maybe one of those will open up. So, yeah, getting – and like I was telling you over email as well, uh, the – Kind of overall theme of the podcast is talking about each individual's history with basketball, their time with the Lakers, and what they're doing now. So, you know, when did basketball for you kind of go from, you know, a fun activity to do with friends to something that you had a future in? <laughs> um, I had an older brother that was three years older than me. So I think as I think when he 
he did well and he got a college scholarship and i think then my parents were like hey you know you should probably start working hard and uh following your brother's footsteps and <laughs> where did he play he went to brigham young byu oh okay and, i think uh, i did read that yeah 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 so he went there and he was uh you know he was like three years ahead of me so he kind of was somebody that i was always chasing but could never quite catch you know when mm-hmm. i was playing he was just always a little bigger stronger faster but uh kept me working hard which is good was he a seven footer as well he was not i think he's like six nine six ten he was tall he was uh definitely more of a uh three man and i'm kind of more of a four or five so yeah a little bit different but uh no it was good playing against him it made me kind of kind of learn a little more uh outside game a little more ball handling a little it was good for my overall development so when i got there i was able to you know play some with the bigs but i could also kind of get out and run a little bit so you're following your brother's footsteps through high school and when did when did you kind of get on big into the recruiting recruiting scene and get start hearing from some of those larger d1 schools so it was weird i didn't go to the same high school as my brother my family moved and he stayed to finish out and the new coach i went there my sophomore year and he was he was really good actually he got me uh into the Nike ABCD camp and a couple of uh, exposure events that I probably wouldn't have got in without him. And then mm-hmm. once there, you know, I guess I, I played well. And I just remember after I went to that camp, like just, uh, it wasn't like, you know, just the schools, like the geographic radius. I was getting mm-hmm. like local schools sending me letters. And then all of a sudden now I started getting school letters from UConn all the way across the country. And I was in San Diego at the time. So that's when it kind of turned the corner for me. Um, in those camps, were you playing against any other future NBA players? Yeah, who was the big the big ones when I was there was uh, Jason Kidd was there, Othello Harrington, oh, okay. Corliss mm-hmm. Williamson. They were the big names when I went. But you know, John Wallace is uh, you know, there's a lot of good guys from my uh, age. I think were there. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess uh, I, I wasn't thinking that you would have been with like Kidd and Corliss Williamson, but um, I guess yeah, they probably came out a little earlier than you then yeah 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 i think kid only played one year at cal maybe and Corbett yeah left, left a year early but uh, i remember those guys had their same bodies in high school man that's why i remember corliss was just like looking at him and i was like dude this guy's like he's a man <laughs> we're supposed to be like 17 year old kids and this guy's like 260 and like buff and i was like wow okay oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, getting onto that recruiting scene, like you said, uh, what led to your final decision to attend UConn? <laughs> uh, this is a funny story. Man. I, I'll probably, I'm going to tell you the real one now. So I, my brother went to BYU. I had no interest in going there, but my family moved to uh, Utah um, my senior year of high school, which I wasn't, you know, I'm going from San Diego to uh, Salt Lake City. I wasn't super excited about that. Although we did, we had a, we had a good team, we kind of had fun there, but but I didn't want to stay in that state. So then I started looking like, all right, how far can I go? Um, okay. I wanted to go to uh, I wanted to go to UCLA. I tried to get them to take me. They didn't want it. I tried to go to Stanford. They didn't want me. And so uh, the other schools that were left, uh, I think it came down to Syracuse, UConn, and uh, Arizona State. And like Coach Calhoun. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it was Coach Calhoun that convinced you? Yeah, just his style, you know. I mean, everybody came in kind of talking. He came in with a sheet. He said, look, you know, he said, I play 10 guys double-figure minutes. So, you know, there's 12 guys on the team, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the best five. You just have to not be the bottom two. <laughs> I was like, I oh, okay. 
Uh, I guess yeah, I guess that was nice of him to be honest and upfront. Yeah, no, he plays up. Uh, he plays up tempo too, which I like. You know, I I, I didn't want to. You know, I watched my brother struggle. Be why you played in a very half court oriented kind of offense, and he struggled because it just that's just not the way that we we play. You know, we get out and play and run, kind of like the way the NBA is now with you know bigs being outside and handling mm-hmm. the ball and all that. And I saw him kind of get pegged into a certain role, whether or not you know that fit his game, and I was. Didn't want to do that at all. Something to uh, Coach Calhoun, you know, he had a lot of different players. They get out and run, they press, they do different things, and I, I really like the idea of that. So, did you shoot a lot of threes in college? Um, I don't think I did. I shot them in high school, and then I think I shot a few at the beginning of my career, and then uh, it just wasn't really like the way the offense worked. There wasn't a lot of opportunities for me. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to pick it back up in the NBA a little bit when I played with Boston. Uh, I shot yeah. a bunch of threes in Boston, and you know, I think it was, I think I was an okay shooter. I wasn't uh, in the top level of those guys, so uh, mm-hmm. you know, I do better the you know mid range kind of stuff. So you come out in '96 draft, one of the best draft classes of all time. I know you're originally selected by the Bulls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, so what was the exact situation there? Because I feel like I, when doing research for this, I read some conflicting things. So what happened when um, you were initially drafted by the Bulls, but then eventually started your year with the Lakers? Uh, this is a good story. Yeah, the uh, so this is like in the middle of the Bulls, Michael Jordan, you know, winning championships, yep. winning 70 games a season. And, uh, you know, they obviously they have a lot of veterans. You know, they don't really need a, a rookie. So this was, if you are 96 was the first year that they started with the first round draft picks had uh, it was a guaranteed three-year contract and at set salaries, you know, so they were trying to cut out the, you know, the rookies getting the big, big contracts before they'd even played. Right. And so, so the Bulls, since I was the last pick of the first round, they either had to sign me to a three-year deal or release me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked with them and I said, look, we don't, we don't have a place for you. Um, but if you go to Europe, you know, you play for a couple of years, you know, maybe, you know, in a couple of years when things change, some of these, you know, older guys move on, you know, maybe uh, we'll have a spot for you. And I didn't really like that idea. So uh, mm-hmm. I kind of just said, nah, just uh, go ahead and wave me and I'll see if I can catch on with somebody else. The Lakers, who had just signed Shaq, so they were yeah. uh, maxed out with their, uh, with their uh, salary cap. I think it worked differently than it does now, but they could sign three players at the minimum, you know, so there was like, you know, I think there were six of us that came into camp and there was three spots and we were just kind of, it's like high school, man, just trying out, oh, yeah. you know, playing real hard, trying to get that last spot. Okay. So when they signed you, it wasn't a guarantee. I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it might've, uh, no, I, I mean, I don't think I had a guaranteed spot. I think they signed me to a deal, but uh, I pretty much had to show up at camp and earn it. It was the way I, interpreted everything okay so yeah like you mentioned uh they had just signed Shaq. uh i don't remember if it's before or after that i think after um where they traded vladi for kobe bryant that was um, draft night yeah on the draft night i remember watching that during the draft oh you're right yeah um so yeah like i said the uh, 96 year coming in Shaq, kobe Derek fisher is going to be a rookie as well and so you're actually the first guy i've talked to from the 96 97 season so I wanted to ask you this, like, do you, do you recall like the exact situation that was going on with Cedric Sabalos when he kind of just disappeared from the team and was supposedly know. like jet skiing all over the place or something? You know, 
I don't remember. I remember when he got traded. Now, this is my rookie year, so I was, like, just kind of happy to be there, and everything was uh, kind of just – I didn't understand anything really that year. But um, right. I don't remember him disappearing. I remember he got traded, like, halfway through the year, so maybe he did that the season before. He seemed like a good you – know, you know, I only knew him for, like, half a year, but he's a good guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He was traded to Phoenix in the – the other thing that brought Robert Ori and Clover and a few other guys. So yeah, your rookie year, like I mentioned, uh, first year with Shaq, first year with Kobe. Uh, obviously, they went on to a lot of success that you were a part of at the beginning with that first title. In your first, I guess maybe your first year, and then when you came back two seasons later, the lockout year, were you able to witness like a lot of the friction that kind of blew up years down the road? Could you see like some little inklings that it was going to come? that they were going to come to blows more or less <laughs> no i mean they there was you know little stuff i mean kobe was i think 18 at the time so you know he was a very mature 18 year old but 18 nonetheless and mm-hmm. you know Shaq was the leader of our team and kind of you know this was this was this was his team so i mean there mm-hmm. was a little bit of that but you know i just kind of shrugged it off to you know, Kobe was a young kid. He has great confidence. Obviously, that made him a great, great player. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't see anything crazy. What are some other kind of key memories or stories you can get into from, you know, your first couple of years when that? So your first year, obviously, with the Lakers, and then when you came back in that lockout year, like any other good stories you'd be willing to share? The Rodman whole era that was. Oh yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rodman was a funny little addition it was hard for me because it was uh we played the same position and you know like it's LA and LA loves you know Rodman you know was like a superstar and all that and so I mm-hmm. remember like coach he I think he thought he was doing me a favor right he's like like I'm just you know it's your spot you know I know they signed him but we're still gonna start you and I wanted to tell him like so I'm in there and the chat the crowd is just chanting for Rodman and I'm like coach just start Rodman give him that I'm fine coming off the bench man yeah <laughs> But no, nah, that was interesting. That was uh, they went through some coaching changes. It was my first kind of glimpse at the NBA coaching carousel in action. Uh, mm-hmm. Dell left. Um, Kurt Rambis took over. Um, that was weird to me just to kind of see how fast stuff like that changes. Um, guys got traded. That was weird. We saw I saw Glenn Rice came uh, my last yeah. year. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, I started to see a little bit of like the NBA kind of in and out. It's a business as opposed to college where you're there for four years and it's a family and, mm-hmm. you know, we all stick together kind of thing. A lot of guys I've talked to have talked about like the stark contrast between, you know, I guess like the familial atmosphere in college and going into a business where it's cutthroat and guys are just worried about their minutes and their contracts, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, they're still like, you know, definitely teammates and camaraderie and all that, but it's just, it's funny. It's like, they just, you know, it is that, but then like the next day you could be playing against the guy. And it was really weird for me at first, but then obviously, you know, you become accustomed to it. You know, this is, this is just, you know, how it works here. So after your first year, I guess you must have been on a one-year deal, end up signing the contract with Boston. And I know you, you were there one year and then got traded back to the Lakers. What was your – I said, yeah, get traded back to your Lakers going into your third year. So what were you thinking at that point? And what was your – were you happy to be going back to L.A.? Or was oh, just ecstatic, kinda... ecstatic. 
Uh, yeah, I love Boston. Yeah, Boston's a great city, you know, and uh-huh. I think they have a great franchise. I had my issues with uh, Coach Patino. He was mm-hmm. a different kind of character. Um, and just, you know, he literally just ran us into the ground. Like, I mean, so physically I was kind of beaten down and then to come back to L.A. and, you know, play with uh, my old team, which was it wasn't such a big adjustment. So that was uh, that was actually great for me. I was excited. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, come back that lockout year. Then that third year, your third year with the Lakers, fourth year overall, Phil Jackson's first year with the team. What were your initial impressions of him? Phil, so Phil was good. Phil kind of, uh, I don't think I fit in a triangle very well. I mean, we had AC Green and Robert Ory who were, you know, playing at the four spot. So that kind mm-hmm. of left me playing backup center where this, you know, we have this triangle offense kind of thing with Shaq. So obviously the center does certain things, all of them very close to the basket. And then, so then I kind of, when I got put in that role, it was a little bit, um, it was, a, it was hard for me, you know, cause it was just kind of, kind of like we talked about before, you know, you're stuck doing things that maybe are not your strengths and mm-hmm. not as many opportunities to do these things that, that you're good at. So it was uh, a little bit, but the team was good. Um, yeah. Was fun, so that was, you know, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that year was probably Shaq's greatest season of his career that, uh, 99 2000 season probably for a lot of like a variety of reasons i don't know if it was just him being in better physical shape or physical physical shape or just extremely motivated playing under phil jackson but what were some of the things that you could see like in that 2000 season compared to like your first couple years with Shaq? like what did you think were the big differences in his game that year um, I think Phil Phil's offense had a lot to do with it. You know, the triangle is uh, is great at at spacing, and um, you know, with Shaq, you know, he was he was going to get double teamed every you know every game, and so you know, with the new spacing kind of system, you know, it it just kind of opened things up a little bit for him, mm-hmm. and it just kind of made the reads a little bit easier, you know, for him, and limited some of the uh, ways that the defensive teams could double team him. So. I think it gave him like an extra second inside and and Robert Roy was playing great. Kobe started, you know, really coming onto his own then and so like, mm-hmm. you know, his everybody around him kind of played really well so that that I think helped him as well. So yeah, that two thousand playoff run, I know you guys went I think you went the distance with Sacramento, beat them in five, beat the Suns in five. Then he had that classic seven game series with Portland. <laughs> I remember talking to John Celestan about this. So what were you thinking when beginning of the fourth quarter, game seven, Lakers are down 15 at home? Were you uh, thinking about your summer plans already? Or were you thinking that you still had a shot to get back to your comeback in that game and get to the finals? I mean, it's the playoffs, so you're definitely still, you know, going full board for it. I To say I was 100% confident, it would be a lie. I was, you know, it definitely wasn't that, but... More than anything like that game, I mean, people come to me sometimes, even now, they're like, oh, the NBA is rigged. How can sometimes these guys, you know, they're down 30 and they come back, you know? Uh I'm telling you, like, I watched it happen. It happens, you know, like, just the psychological aspect. A guy makes a couple. I think we had, maybe Ron Harper made a couple, like, shots that, you know, probably shouldn't have made, but they just happened to go in, you know, basketballs like that. And Portland missed a few like that. and you see the confidence rising on our side and then they started getting a little tentative on their side. And it was just still to me, it was amazing to this day to just, just watch the, 
just the psychological momentum and how big of an impact that that has on the game of basketball. Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember that game. I think Brian Shaw hit some big shots that were crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, obviously Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, Portland went ice cold. At, I want to say they missed like 13 straight shots to open the fourth quarter. Something crazy like that. They did. Um, I mean, the first few, they kind of rolled out. But then you started seeing, like, you know, guys were real short with their follow-throughs. Just kind of just tentative, man. And it's, it's it's just weird to see, you know, basketball is a confidence game for sure. And, uh, you know, when you lose it, 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 things go bad. And when you have it, you know, nothing can go wrong. So you're saying when people still talk to you about that stuff today, does that – do people come up to you and ask you about Lakers stuff a lot? Or are you recognized a lot, like just walking around Austin or anywhere else? No, I mean, I'm seven feet, so people will ask me, but I don't think anybody knows who I am. Even now, oh. like, you know what makes me feel super old is <laughs> I, like, talk to these kids. And, I, you know, like, these kids I coach, like, they never saw Michael Jordan play. They never saw Magic Dick. These are all, I yeah. guess, the way I think about – you know, Bill Russell and Jerry West, you know, like, yeah, uh-huh. they're good names. And I've, I heard they were good, but I've never seen them play other than a couple of highlight films. And so I think, yeah, especially now, like I've been gone so long. <laughs> like, oh, really yeah. Know. Yeah. I was just curious if, you, if you'd be recognized. That surprises me just because, you know, Laker fans are all over the place. And, uh, you know, other guys I've talked to will say that they will be walking around in Europe and they'll say, Oh, like you're so-and-so you played for the Lakers or something. Um, yes. That just kind of surprises me. I figured you'd be recognized. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe in LA, if I went there, like I said, out in Texas and I don't, I guess I don't get out much. So (laughs) (laughs) do you still watch a lot of basketball? I watch college. Um, I don't watch a lot of NBA anymore. I just don't have the time to sit down and watch a full game like I used to, but, uh, yeah, I I do. I watch the playoffs. I watch the finals, you know, but, Uh, not really regular season as much. Mm. When was the last time you attended a game in LA? Oh, probably the last time I played for them. <laughs> oh, oh really? Them, I guess. Yeah. I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been back then in, in a long time. Okay. I was, yeah, I was going to ask if you, by, by chance, went to Kobe's last game. Uh no, nah, no. Nah. After I got done playing, I uh, took off and went down to Nicaragua for a few years. So that, uh, a little fishing charter, went fishing, surfing, just kind of, kind of getting away from it all a little bit, I guess. Oh yeah, well yeah. So you go through that, get to that comeback versus Portland, end up beating the Pacers in six games, when, uh, you know, Shaq's first championship, your uh, first championship in LA. Then eventually got traded, or I guess yeah, after that season, got traded to the Knicks. Uh, did that catch you off guard, or were you thinking you were gonna last longer with the Lakers? Um. Mm. I didn't really. I mean, I knew I didn't really fit into Phil's. You know, they needed a a big, you know, kind of backup center guy, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I knew that wasn't me. And I think that was, I think that was, it was the Patrick Ewing trade, and I think maybe Horace Grant came to the Lakers. Yeah, that's that right. Yeah, as yeah, Ewing, Glenn so, Rice went to the Knicks. Yeah, so I think. Uh, no, I think this Phil. He likes his veterans. He likes his, uh, you know, his guys he has. You know. And, Horace knew the system, so it didn't mm-hmm. surprise me a bunch. Probably a good one. Right. Yeah, so then you ended up playing three more years with the Knicks. I think they, if I read, they bought your last year out from your deal. Um, did you consider going overseas, or was there more? Was there an opportunity to stay in the NBA, or did you just kind of ready to move on different things after that last year with the Knicks? Yeah, I was kind of ready to be done with just basketball for a while, I think. Uh, 
probably should have stuck around for a couple of years. I think I could have, but uh, just, yeah, New York was kind of, that was the same kind of thing. You know, it's, you know, it's New York style basketball, real physical, just kind of, you know, low scoring, beat them up games for, for three years. And then, uh, yeah, I was just kind of ready for, for that to be done for a minute. <laughs> All right. Well, that's about all I had. Thank you so much for making the time to do this, Travis. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, the fans of the podcast and Instagram reach out to me all the time, trying to get you on or telling me to try to get you on. So I'll get it posted. And, you know, I think, I think they'll enjoy getting to hear a little bit about your Lakers stint. All right. We're good. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Shoot me a link on email when you get it done, man. Like check it out. Yeah, sure. I'll send you a link to all the other episodes you could check out like uh, your former teammates or, and then the other ones as well. Some of them have been a lot of fun. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye.